Today marks the start of Phase 2 of the B.C. Restart Plan, and with that comes some rules and regulations for businesses to follow as they begin to open back up. And, of course, well, they are supposed to post those rules for the public to see. I'm joined on the line now to talk a little bit about this by Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Okay, so as we get into phase two here, of course, there are a number of different businesses that are allowed to reopen, right? We got uh, personal services like hair salons and barbers, restaurants, museums, a number of different sectors that are allowed to start to reopen their business. And with that, of course, they have to post to the public, you know, what safety protocols they are taking uh, in order to open back up safely. So first, I'll just start by getting your thoughts on the fact that they have to post these regulations. Do you think that is an important step uh, for businesses to take so that the public know that they're being kept safe? I think it's absolutely important. Um, it allows the public to make an informed decision before going to a business about whether they think that they can, first of all, comply with the business's COVID-19 plan, and also whether they want to take the risk associated with entering that business. If they feel the plan that's in place there is not going to be sufficient to protect them, they know before they go. Um, and I think it's a, it's a, a well-reasoned order that people are, are required to do this. And what do you think about the, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of businesses and, and you know, as we go through reopening, I'm sure 99.5% of them uh, that are looking to open their doors again for some sort of service uh, to make that available, uh, you know, they're more than happy to post the rules that they are or the steps that they are taking to make sure that everyone is being kept safe. I think uh, everyone kind of understands the importance around that, but I'm sure there will be, you know, one or two out there that, uh, you know, maybe aren't uh, feeling the need to necessarily post their guidelines up on uh, some sort of public viewing spot. You know, somewhere where it's easily viewable for people. I guess, what, what do you think about that? I mean, if, if someone were to do that, um, obviously a number of concerns that come with that. Should some kind of penalty, I guess, be in place for people if, if they aren't following those rules and making sure that the public are aware of the steps they're taking? Well, this is a public health order uh, that businesses are required to do this. So because it's a public health order, uh, if people don't follow through, if they decide, you know what, it's not worth it to me, or I don't think enough people are going to come to my business, or I have a very loyal customer base, and they don't need to know, you could face significant penalties um, under the Public Health Act in BC for violating a public health order, and your business could be ordered to close immediately until you come into compliance. I mean, uh, of course, I understand that from a public perspective, the need to do that. But do you think that uh, maybe that would be a bit extreme to say that you, you have to close immediately and, and shut down until you are ready to, to prove that you are taking necessary steps? Oh, absolutely. That would be sort of the extreme angle of things. I think the first thing was that if there was a complaint made about a business not posting the information, the first step would be to contact the business and say, you need to post this, just to remind them of the existence of the order um, and to direct them to comply. And if then they don't comply, there might be uh, additional enforcement, an on-site visit. Um, and if there's still no compliance after that, then you get into the escalating penalties where people are fined or ordered to close. Now, of course, this is, like I said, day one, really of this phase, well, not not really, it is day one of the phase two plan. So people are really trying to figure this out, right? A lot of these businesses just figured out what some of their industry-specific rules were going to be on Friday, right? As WorkSafe was releasing some new guidelines and more industry-specific guidelines, really just, what, three, four days ago. So not a lot of time for businesses that are looking to reopen as of today to necessarily get their ducks in a row. So I'm sure there's going to be some people out there who, um, you know, are just are, are unsure of how to move forward. I mean, is there some sort of grace period that you could see that might, might make sense here? 
I think that there would be a grace period given just because, I mean, this was very short notice. Uh, for everybody. Not everybody has necessarily been paying attention uh, to all of the orders or even knows where to access the orders, which are on the um, public health website, the BCCDC website, um, for anybody listening who doesn't know, um, and may not also know what it is that they need to include or how to draft it. Um, so if people are confused or concerned, they can call our office and we'll happily explain it to them um, free of charge, or they can, you know, there's lots of lawyers, employment lawyers especially, who are offering this type of service as well. Yeah, probably uh, good to know, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who are, are very concerned, right, as they look to reopen. They they don't want to break any rules, but the, there are a lot of unknowns or people just trying to catch up to what has been released as we're seeing things really change on a very rapid basis. So I'm sure there are a lot of questions out there, and, you know, whatever the answer today uh, might be, it might be actually end up being a different, uh, you know, answer here later on in the week. I mean, hopefully that's not the case, but just the way things have gone, I, I have to imagine that there is that potential for something like that to happen. All right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, well, we'll move on from this here, Kyla. So a, a lot of uh, important stuff to remember there, especially as people, you know, I'm sure we're all, I know myself included, are looking to start taking advantage of some of these things. You know, I'm very excited to see restaurants and pubs be able to have some sort of service, and I'm sure you are as well. Um, you know, just a chance to get out of the house and do something is just really necessary and needed for a lot of people right now. So hopefully all those businesses are taking the proper protocols, and I know that if they want to open up, I, I can pretty much guarantee that they're at least putting a lot of thought into how they're doing so and making sure they're doing so safely. But we did also want to touch a little bit on last week's announcement here from ICBC. We saw uh, David Eby start to make the, uh, make the announcement, you know, that uh, crash claims for ICBC were basically cut in half. I believe it was a 43% reduction in the number of crash claims since COVID-19 uh, really hit us here in BC. And that has resulted in $150 plus million in savings. But none of those savings are going to be passed on to customers. I'll, I'll just start with that. I mean, we're you shocked or surprised to see that you know those who are paying for insurance policies are not going to be seeing any savings despite the fact that there is a big reduction in the in the number of claims you know call me cynical but i wasn't shocked or surprised I was disappointed because I thought this is a good opportunity to gain some of the trust back from the public that ICBC has breached through, you know, the mismanagement and that the government to some extent has, has lost as a result of the mismanagement of ICBC and the big changes that are largely unpopular that are coming through the pipes. Now, of course, uh, part of the announcement as well was, uh, you know, they saved $158 million with reduced crash claims, but they also lost uh, over 200 and some million. I don't know the exact figure off the top of my head here, but uh, even more money was actually lost because people are either reducing their insurance coverage or completely canceling their claims. I mean, is that justification enough for you to say that, you know, these savings are not going to be passed on? No, absolutely not. I, I mean, if the government sells different insurance products and people change or cancel their insurance because they no longer need the product that they purchased, the government should have anticipated that this was going to happen. And when we you know, started seeing changes happening as a result of the pandemic, the government had an opportunity to adjust and they did. They made, you know, they changed the rules so that you could change or cancel your policy without penalty. They should have changed what they were doing internally at ICBC as as far as managing their um, managing their staff, you know, maybe layoffs would have been uh, appropriate, or dealing with their investments to make sure that they were going to recoup the loss. They had to be able to predict this amount of loss during this time frame, and, and it looks like they just did nothing. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much what it feels like to me as well. I guess you know, as we sort of 
see more people, you know, with particularly right now when we're talking about phase two as well as businesses start to reopen. I'm sure a lot of people who did either reduce their coverage or cancel their coverage completely are going to look to, you know, either uh, reinstate their insurance policies or increase the, the coverage that they are getting because there's going to be more people on the road, more people driving to work again, more people doing, um, you know, going to see uh, in-person counselors and things along these lines that are now allowed. Uh, I guess, you know, we're not seeing any savings as a result, um, but, uh, you know, we are going to see more people start to buy back in. So they talk about how much they've lost as a result of people canceling claims. But, um, you know, I, I imagine that some of that money is going to be made back here in the coming weeks and months as more people start to uh, reinstate their insurance. I mean, when, when, we, when I say something like that, I guess, do you, does it even baffle you more to say, like, how come maybe they weren't even looking at what could happen two, three weeks down the line when talking about how savings could potentially be passed on? Oh, they definitely weren't. And that, that's the frustrating thing about this, because I fully anticipate that when people start to reinstate their coverage to the level that it was before, when they change their policies, it's not going to be without the change fees. So they're going to be paying the change fees. The government's going to bring in that money that they supposedly lost by not collecting the change or cancellation fees with the new policies that are being um, being purchased and with the changes to the existing policies that were previously changed without a fee. So I don't see this as being as much of a financial loss as they're trying to make it out to be. It seems to me to be incredibly disingenuous. Yeah, uh, it's an ongoing, uh, you know, headache when it comes to ICBC, I think, for a lot of people out there, um, myself included, and obviously for you as well. We've talked about the, the uh, public insurer a number of times, and, yeah, you know, every time we uh, we bring up the subject, there seems to be more questions than answers. So it's definitely a frustrating subject and something that I know that we're going to talk about here in the not-too-distant future. I can almost guarantee it. But thanks so much for coming on, Kyla. Always appreciate you talking to me, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Thanks for having me. Awesome. That was Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee.